2: call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
3: NFL Total Access is a production of the NFL in
4: partnership with iHeartRadio. It is Wednesday, January 11th, and you're listening to NFL Total Access.
2: The podcast.
3: Those are the voices of today's special guest. Voice number one is the 12-year veteran of the NFL, an O-lineman. He's watched more film this year than the Hollywood Foreign Press. Mm, He's Brian Baldinger. Welcome back to the pod. I should get an
4: award for that. You should get an award for that.
3: Voice number two, of course, belongs to the host of NFL Total Access, the broadcast. The co-host of the L Huddle podcast has you beat by three years, Brian, a (laughs) 15-year veteran of the biz. She is MJ Acosta Ruiz. Mm -hmm. Welcome back, MJ.
2: Always great to be with you, Drew.
3: On today's show, a viable game plan for the six and seven seeds in both the NFC and the AFC, a three-point plan to victory. Yes, for the Seahawks. Yes, for the Giants. Yes, for the Ravens. And yes, you too, Dolphins. Three-point plan to victory. You will hear it here. In addition to that, we will assess the real issue. Caught on tape by Brian Baldinger, the real issue with Dak Prescott and the Dallas offense. The questions, of course, are these. What is that problem? Can it be fixed? Can it be fixed in time for Monday night's game in Tampa Bay between the Cowboys, the five seed, and the Bucks, the four seed? That's the first question on the board. Brian Baldinger, are you ready? Yes. As I mentioned, you watch more tape, more game film than anyone else we've ever met in our lives, probably more than anyone else in the business. What are you seeing on tape that can help explain what we have seen from Dak and this Dallas offense Lately, 11 picks in the last seven games, four fumbles during that time, and yet they're 5-2 and two mm-hmm. in that time. Let's not overstate how calamitous mm-hmm. it is, but it certainly doesn't bode well what we saw in Week 18 heading into a game on the road against a guy who's been there before in TB12. What are you seeing from Dak? Can it be fixed?
4: I don't know if it could be fixed because it's a timing issue. We all saw a touchdown with 10 seconds to go in the second quarter from Dak Prescott to C.D. Lamb, and it was a dime. It was a beauty. It was bracket coverage. He hit him... Mm-hmm just perfectly in stride, it was on rhythm, it was on timing. But there were a lot of third down throws, attempted throws by Dak, where the timing isn't there, where C.D. Lamb is running just a slow play slant, uh, it's there, and Dak is just getting off the, the receiver too quickly. This is not the first time. I, I, I think that Amari Cooper had issues. See, what happens is when you have great route runners like Amari Cooper, like C.D. Lamb, demonstrates at times, you got to let those guys win. And then you've got to be able you – know, the, the passing game has to be the precision of a diamond cutter. And so the ball has to come out on time, and you have to trust that the receiver is going to be there. The protection was good enough to make some of these throws that he missed. Uh, C.D. Lamb, he had one, Dig Michael Gallup. There's throws that if you want to stay on the field, sustain offense, and score more than one touchdown, then the quarterback, it's his responsibility to get these guys the ball that are open. Okay. So, again, the question
3: is, if that's the diagnosis, what's the prognosis? We only have a certain number of hours to go, and those hours are dwindling with every second that passes. Is there enough time to fix what ails them, and how would you even begin?
4: Well, I think it starts with Dak's trust of the protection. You know, last week, Jason Peters started at left tackle, his left tackle – Tyler Smith went to left guard. I mean, they had some, some juggling going on up front. You know, the center's out. Connor McGovern goes left guard to center. I mean, those are three major adjustments. Dak has to trust his protection first. If he trusts his protection, he's going to wait on C.D. Lamb longer. He's going to wait a, a little bit longer for Michael Gallup to open up on the backside rather than just trying to, to run out of there, which I thought he panicked a few times to run out, and try to make something happen. So I think it starts with trust of protection. Uh, Whoever's up front this week, I think he's got to trust it better than what he has shown. So that
3: really is not a scheme thing. That is a between-the-ears thing
4: for Dak. He just has to sort of recommit to the moment. The only thing I would say is, you know, in week one against Tampa, he hit his thumb on a helmet. Obviously, it was damaged. Yes, he did. They missed a month uh, or more. Uh, You just wonder, like, when the pocket begins to collapse on him, does he have, like, this mental block about Mm. that thumb— yeah. Like, I'm, 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 I, might, I might be way out of bounds. Only Dak can answer that question. But does, is there a mental block about him hitting that thumb again? You know, I mean, it, it destroyed the beginning of a season. Like, does, does that come back into play? MJ, we have seen
3: two significant injuries that Dak has been affected by over yeah. the last 24 months. Obviously, the lower leg. And then there were some compensatory injuries that came from that mm-hmm. up the body. And then, of course, the thumb that Brian just mentioned. What we saw from him, 14 for 37, something like that, in week 18, and including, of course, that third and six pick six to Kendall Fuller after he had just thrown in that same direction Mm -hmm. and Kendall Fuller dropped uh, an interception moments before, doesn't bode well for a young man's confidence. And if we believe what Baldy is saying, and we do, that this is about trusting the moment, trusting the read, trusting your receivers, trusting the play and getting rid of it with timing... That seems like a very difficult thing to overcome in the countdown to a first playoff game.
2: Right. It it almost seems like an insurmountable situation. But that is your job Mm -hmm. as a starting franchise QB in the NFL, certainly one who plays with a star on Mm -hmm. his helmet. Right. What's crazy is I spent some time with both Dak and with CeeDee Lamb before the season started, literally the day that they were reporting to camp just up the road here in Oxnard. Uh, so we were doing a game-recognized game, recognized game um, episode where they were playing with um, some guys from Real Madrid. And the two of them looked about as in sync as a wide receiver and quarterback duo could. Mm-hmm. Everything from finishing each other's sentences to knowing what the other guy was was going to do in a certain situation. And these were just, you know, fun types of plays. So I was so excited to see them get back on the field and then, boom, straight up the gate, Dak gets injured in the start of the season. So it's it's hard to say outside of just the rehab physically from that injury. But to watch that guy who had battled through the gnarliest injury we had seen the year prior, mm-hmm. to see it in his face, in his eyes, like he was so ready to get out there and light it up with CeeDee Lamb, knowing that Amari Cooper wasn't there anymore. It, it, it's been tough for Dak, mm-hmm. just objectively from mm-hmm. our standpoint. I can't imagine what's going on in his head. And yet we know that this offense is capable Mm -hmm. of making those plays and of putting up points. Mm -hmm. So I think the battle is perfectly phrased between the ears there for Dak. Um, I'm I'm hoping that that can be steadied because I think that's what it is. It's an issue of being steady. Mm -hmm. Under pressure, he struggled, but the Bucs defense has the sixth lowest pressure rate in the Mm -hmm. league right now. So that bodes well for him too. It's just keeping it all even keel right now in the post. We
3: have talked for years about... The moment for a young quarterback in the NFL, making that transition from Saturday Mm -hmm. football to Sunday football. And we talk about, we use phrases like, the light went on, Mm -hmm. when the light goes on. And when the light goes on, typically we also hear phrases like, the game slowed down for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The game slowed down for him. And we saw that from Dak earlier than we ever expected. We saw that from him in his rookie season. Mm -hmm. So in a way, I think, MJ, what you're saying is he almost needs to kind of reclaim that confidence, right, recapture that grounded, literally grounded, get your feet in the ground, slow the breath down, get that blood pressure down and be able to kind of capitalize on a moment as it comes. But the man needs help, guys. And I think we can agree that we saw a Cowboys pass rush, a Cowboys defense that was something close to dominant for the first 12 weeks of the season. In weeks one through 12, they were averaging over four sacks a game, almost eight quarterback hits a game, and a pressure rate of almost 40%. Since then, in weeks 13 through 16, They are averaging only one and a half sacks a game, just over four quarterback hits, and a pressure rate which is back down just above 30. So the man does need help. He cannot do it on his own. He's never really been able to be the kind of quarterback that can do it on his own. That's a very small group of people who can claim that. Mm -hmm. So he does need help from his defense. He also needs help from Kellen Moore. I'll turn back to you, Mm Baldy. Are you seeing anything in the play calling coming from Kellen Moore, coming from the Cowboys, that registers as worrisome to you? Uh, Is it something that can be adjusted? Can the plays be called differently? Because a lot of people, including our friend David Carr, looked to that period, that interregnum period when Cooper Rush was out there in in relief of Mm -hmm. Dak Prescott. There was a simplified approach to that offense. And a lot of people thought, and I think you were one of them, that this is the Cowboys' offense that works. Run the ball downhill,
4: commit to the run. They changed their whole approach. Their approach when Cooper Rush came in week one against Tampa and then for the next five weeks was we're going to protect Cooper Rush. So we're going to play 13 personnel. We're going to play our three tight ends, Jake Ferguson, you know Peyton Henderson. We're going to play our, our tight ends, Dalton Schultz. We're going to protect our quarterback. We're going to have, have field reads. We're going to run speedo routes, two receivers going down the field in some combination. And we're going to really accentuate the run. And they were really good at it. And I said, while that was happening, I said, this is the offense that should run. This is what the Cowboys should do. The tight ends are very good blockers. They protect the edges really good. They got into a good rhythm with a one two punch with Pollard and Zeke. And the throws that Cooper Rush were asked to make were not the throws that we watched Patrick Mahomes make, but they were good throws that you can move. The offense can benefit, they can score touchdowns, they can move the football. I, and it's not a knock on Dak. I just think the way that they're built, this is playing to their strengths. Mm-hmm. If we see an approach from the
3: Cowboys offense, the likes of which that Baldy is suggesting and that we saw with Cooper Rush under center, it makes Dak the most expensive game manager in the history of the NFL. And yet they're paying him what they're paying him and maybe that is the answer to Cowboys' success this weekend. MJ, finish this sentence for me. Cowboys 5-seed taking on the Bucks 4-seed. 8.15 p.m. Eastern on Monday night. It is the last of six super wildcard weekend games. I wouldn't be surprised if...
2: I wouldn't be surprised if this game comes down to one or two points in the end.
3: Baldy, same question. I wouldn't be surprised if... The Bucks upset the Cowboys. Hmm. <laughs> And I almost find that interesting that we're using that phrase because I find it somewhat inexplicable that the Bucks are underdogs in this game, listener. Maybe with sure... that eight-nine record. <laughs> well, yes, even with that eight-nine record. But if we are looking f- at how teams enter the tournament, how the form that we have seen on the field over the last few weeks. The Bucks have a suddenly dangerous, again, scary, again, passing attack. They still can't run the ball, not with any degree of consistency or efficiency, but they are who they are. And they have a guy under center who, as we said, has been there before. Now you look at a Cowboys form, and that... That was deplorable, what we saw in Week 18. That was the worst dress rehearsal for a Broadway opening we've ever seen. So for the Cowboys to be two-and-a-half-point favorites, I do find that surprising, and I should think that the Bucks find that a little bit disrespectful.
4: First of all, Drew, I hate that phrase, dress rehearsal. That is for the chorus line. It's, uh-huh. for, it's for a whole different Well, my, my, my theater background I know that's your now background, reveals Drew, itself. But when people say it's a dress rehearsal, no, we're playing between the white lines, and guys are putting it out there on the line. Uh, if you did not know anything about pro football yes. in last Sunday's game, yes. okay, and you just took the uniforms off, the Washington Commanders look like a playoff team. Yes, they do. Mm. With a rookie quarterback making his first start, Correct. they looked like the playoff team. So that is, to your point, that, that's how bad it was. Like, they got whipped at the line of scrimmage. They, Tony Pollard, Zeke Elliott, they couldn't run the ball at all against them. But, you know, I, I'll say this like, everybody in this whole industry, MJ, myself, you, Drew, we all live in seven day life cycles. Yeah. You can talk about momentum all you want. Um, the fact is, what you have to do is you have to execute the day of the game. Now, what momentum can do, if you're San Francisco winning 10 in a row, you love coming to practice. You love getting into the training room and taking care of your injuries. You love staying to practice. That's what happens when you have a win streak. Like, you can't wait to, to get to practice, to work on your craft. Now, when you're up and down and the media's on you and, you know, the, the sky's falling, those aren't fun days, and you got to fight through it. But really, as you described this game on Monday night, national TV, Monday night football, all that matters is that they execute the way they're capable of doing it. And the one thing that
3: we do know, because I don't want it to be so doom and gloom heavy for the Dallas Cowboys. Mm -hmm. We have identified some concerns. Dallas Cowboys fans don't need me to tell them about these concerns. They are worried, and they have every reason to be worried. But of course, every game, every seven days life cycle, as you said, Baldy, is another opportunity to change the narrative, to shut your doubters up, to erase those doubts, Mm -hmm. and to move on. This is survive and advance. That's the part of the tournament that we are now in. Good luck, Dallas. Survive and advance. If you can,
0: you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower,
1: Right now you can save $50 on Select Battery Tool Sets. Real Steel. Offer valid on Select AK System sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.
0: What's up? I'm John Wall.
5: And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Six Man of the Year.
3: You are listening to NFL Total Access, the podcast. I'm your host, NFL Network senior writer Andrew Levy. We interrupt this podcast to bring you amazing news, Mm -hmm. news that continues to put smiles on our faces Mm -hmm. and, more importantly, hope for the prognosis of DeMar Hamlin. Mm -hmm. DeMar Hamlin has been discharged from Buffalo General Medical Center in Buffalo, New York. Keep in mind, Hamlin was admitted on Monday, and went through a comprehensive medical evaluation, as well as a series of cardiac, neurological, and vascular testing on Tuesday. Those tests, guys, obviously went well enough mm-hmm. for him to be discharged today. Let's interrupt the football talk for a moment just to kind of let that news soak in. I am so thrilled to see this, MJ. I know I'm not alone.
2: No, what's crazy is obviously we've been following the story and sending our own, you know, support to DeMar throughout this entire mm-hmm entire um time span since it happened but i'll I'll share this i don't really think i've told anyone this but there was a few posts that i posted on there on my instagram story Mm -hmm. where i had tagged damar and he replied to one of them Mm -hmm. the other day oh uh, a a day or two ago and his only reply was the emoji with the heart symbol and my eyes welled up. like it was (laughs) direct right right like it's a direct direct affirmation that yeah i'm here I'm doing all right, and I'm getting better. And so if that was my response, right, and mm-hmm. I've never met this man, but yeah. he did become all, a brother to all of us mm-hmm. um, through this. So if that was my response, I can't imagine how, how his teammates are feeling right now, his family certainly, uh, being able to talk to him and FaceTime him on a regular basis. So, You
4: know, this is so much bigger than football, yeah. so much bigger. That's why it became the story it became. And I feel like you should be writing the script for the story right now, Drew. Like right. this needs to be a made-for-TV movie. Um, because it has all the elements. But I feel like as, you know, as a brotherhood, and we're all part of it, that it, we just breathe this one big collective sigh of relief. Yeah. Because from the very beginning, on Monday night in Cincinnati when it happened, the level of concern was at the highest, because we didn't know, we didn't know the certainty of what could happen. Mm-hmm. What, what, what was he ever going to be? We didn't know any of that. We have a much better feeling now, a much better certainty that he's going to recover. Uh, and that just makes us enjoy this moment and and what's happened for nine straight days. Well, the nice thing is, Baldy, is that when I or anybody else, somebody more
3: qualified than me, of course, in the end, will ultimately write that story. And when they do, we already know who the leading man is. The yes. leading man is, is a 24-year-old young man named Demar Hamlin. Mm-hmm. Demar Hamlin, know that you are loved, know that your prayers are still being yes. uttered every single day from people you will never meet, but from people who are so thrilled for your progress, so concerned about your health. Live long, live happily. Whether you're on the field or off, we don't care. As long as you're out there, my friend, we are so, so glad to hear that news. Let's turn to Demar's Buffalo Bills. They face what does not appear to be a tricky game, which is a strange thing to say about an opening round playoff game. As we head into their game, which is, of course, the first of three Sunday games, it's the AFC seven-seed Dolphins and, of course, the AFC two-seed Buffalo Bills. That is at 1 p.m. Eastern Time on CBS the first of three, as I said, Sunday games. Now, the story all week has been about Tua. Should Tua play? Will Tua play? The answer today, Tua will not play. Teddy Bridgewater has a broken finger, so it seems as if we are now turning to the young man, Skylar Thompson, once again, to take the reins as a playoff debutante. We're seeing a lot of playoff debutants this week. But, of course, because of all of that, Raheem Mostert has a broken hand. It does not seem like it's going to be a tricky out for the Buffalo Bills. And yet we know that it always is. It's always tricky. There is no such thing as an easy out in the NFL, certainly not in the playoffs. MJ, I want to start with you. Mm -hmm. Tell me why, and it may be uttering the obvious, so forgive me for the question. What should happen, according to what we believe, is that your Dolphins, unfortunately, will lose, that the Buffalo Bills will win this game and may win it handily. Tell me why what should happen will happen.
2: I mean, uh, the Bills have just been such a dominant team across the league, let alone within this division, um, all season long, consistently. Last year, many of us, myself included, had them going to the Super Bowl. I still think they probably should have. Um, This year, to start the season, they were also my Super Bowl pick. And it's not just some random pick throwing a dart Mm -hmm. at the wall here. They are built to be a Super Bowl team, and they have showed us that. They are on a, what, seven, eight game win streak, and for a good reason. Now, the Dolphins play them hard. Both games um, that they played this season were tough. Of course, the Finns won that first one by a bit.
3: Yes, by but you're bit. right, divisional opponents. Yes. They know each other well, they know However, each other's strengths, they know each other's weaknesses.
2: I was feeling, I was feeling okay. I, I, in my heart, I said there's no way Tua should be out there or will be out there. And that, that, was con- that was confirmed for us today. Hoping that Tua can have a speedy recovery as well from that concussion protocol. But Raheem Mostert was sort of the X Factor. Yeah. So his status for the game, not at practice um, today. Jeff Wilson Jr. cannot do this alone. Certainly not against the fifth ranked defense against the rush which the Bills hold. Um, So right now, it's just bare bones when you look at the matchup. It's a mismatch for the Dolphins, especially with Skylar Thompson, who now has a very, very huge mountain that he has to try and conquer. I think he'll he'll give it his best, but you have to call a spade a spade at the end of the day. The Bills are the stronger team, especially without Tua out there. You
3: have to credit a Dolphins fan's objectivity in a moment like this. The word for MJ Acosta Ruiz is mismatch. Now, The word for you, Baldy, is upset, because upsets happen even in the most unanticipated of circumstances. Give Dolphins fans hope. Give Miami a three-point plan to a win. MJ is leaning in. There is a smile beginning
4: to emerge on her face.
3: What's the three-point plan? I'll give you the
4: prong. I'll I'll give you the the three-prong attack. But be honest with you, Drew, there's not 14 teams. Fourteen right. playoff teams in this season. They're just not. Mm. Okay. Last year, the mm-hmm. Eagles went down to Tampa. It was the worst playoff game of the whole thing. Yeah. It was right. never a game. Yeah. Sometimes it's just it. It. You, we're. It, it feels a little diluted, to me. But that being said, you know they're going to kick it off. So, here's what I would say. They ran the ball even with Mo start last week uh, going out. They, they ran the ball for well over 150 yards against a good Jets defense. That would be, and they ran the ball well a month ago against Buffalo on a Saturday night. Like, it starts with that, and Mike McDaniel is uh, an architect of the run game. Let him draw up his motions, his shifts. Let's get some runs. Secondly, you have to feed Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. And what they do best is run with the ball in their hands after the catch. So whether Skylar Thompson is a seventh-round pick out of Kansas State, he's got to take his shots. I don't yeah. think he took enough shots last week against the Jets. Take the shots to these guys. Let them change the game. That's who they are. And then finally, it would be good if the guys that they pay a lot of money to on defense of Miami show up like Xavier <laughs> Howard, That'd like be- Bradley Chubb. Like some of these guys that they, like Javon Holland is, you know, he's, he, to me, he's a Pro Bowl safety. Like these guys have to, Jalen Phillips was a first-round pick. You know, Christian Wilkins was a high first-round pick. It'd be good if the stars on the defensive side of the ball made some plays to, to, to really rally around whatever the quarterback they have in there.
3: In summation, Baldy's three-point plan, his three prongs to a Dolphins upset. Number one, run the ball, run the ball some more, run the ball some more. <laughs> number two, have Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill channel their inner Jerry Rice and turn five-yard routes into 80-yard touchdowns. And number three, you've got a bunch of defensive stars that you brought in. It's time for them to prove it. Let's turn over to the NFC, the sixth seeded and very dangerous, according to a lot of people, New York Giants, going back to Minnesota to face a team they lost to on a 61-yard field goal from G-Money, Greg Joseph, Mm -hmm. the last time they faced each other. MJ, again, talk to me on behalf of the favorite. The Vikings are supposed to win this game. They have won 11 straight games that were decided by a score or less. The second best team in the NFL at one score games, the New York Giants, their opponents this weekend. Why will what should happen happen and the Vikings win this game?
2: Because the 13-4 team is supposed to win this game and move on in (laughs) the playoffs, right? This is a team that we've been asking all season, oh, well, okay, they won, but no, they won. Mm-hmm. End of story. We, we hear it time after time, uh, post game interviews with, with quarterbacks who are not happy with how they played. But what do they say? A win is a win is a win. Absolutely. They get it. They found ways to win, whether it be by the leg of a kicker or by figuring it out. Mm-hmm. But they get the dub. Now, how far will they t- will that take them in the playoffs? That's still TBD. But in terms of this matchup against a 9-7-1 and team, the Vikings are supposed to win this.
3: The Vikings are supposed to win. Sometimes the better team just does. That is what MJ Acosta Ruiz has to say. I turn back to you, Baldy, for a three-point plan for the Giants, for the G-Men. Give their fan base even more hope than they have. And they have more of it than they ever expected to have (laughs) at this point of this season. Three-point plan for a Giants upset,
4: go. Well, I would say, you know, first of all, you you have to look at the coaches. Mm -hmm. And both both these coaches are first-year head coaches, and both have done an excellent job, taking what they have and winning 13 games, winning nine games. Wink Martindale of the Giants is just a master. He has been for a long, long time of just getting free hitters to the quarterback to affect the quarterback. And I expect him to do that to Kirk Cousins. He wants to affect the quarterback. He comes from the Rex Ryan school of football. Like, you hit the quarterback early, he's going to give it to you late. That's what I think the Giants are capable of doing. Xavier McKinney is back on the field for the Giants. He wasn't there three weeks ago. He's, he's their best defensive player. So I, I, I think that that's one. I think number two is Daniel Jones in the run game, whether it's designed runs or – a guy that can scramble and extend plays. He's excellent and has been all year. And then thirdly, the Giants have found a passing attack. They finally found guys that actually stay healthy, that actually practice, and actually can win on Sundays. They can beat man coverage. They can attack zones. And those, those players, uh, in order, Isaiah Hodgins, uh, their ex-receiver. Richie James, their slot receiver. Darius Slayton is their Z. Daniel Bellinger is their tight end. And Saquon Barkley. He's got five legitimate targets to throw the ball to. And it sure looked like the Vikings had a whole lot of problems trying to stop that.
3: In summation, Giants fans, listen up. The three part plan for an upset this weekend. Number one, dial up your free hitters to terrorize Mr. Cousins. And two and three have to do with Daniel Jones. Two, Daniel Jones legs. Use him. He's been effective in the running game. Keep him effective in the running game. And not just scramble off script plays, but intentional dial up the run for Daniel Jones. And of course, take advantage of a passing attack that is starting to look like what they were hoping it would look like mm-hmm. at the beginning of the season. Hey, new scheme, new offensive coordinator. It's starting to look like they get it Mm -hmm. and these no name wide receivers Mm -hmm. may just put their names on the map this weekend. Let's see about that.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, I said, I said OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because didn't it? Ain't it?
5: <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: You are listening to NFL Total Access, the podcast. I'm your host, NFL Network senior writer Andrew Levy. And two more games to go. Let's be quick about it. The first game. The Seattle Seahawks going into Santa Clara to take on a team that I believe may be the best team left in the tournament on either side of the bracket, the San Francisco 49ers. Why will the 49ers do what the 49ers are supposed to do, MJ, and win this game? 30 seconds.
2: Yeah, these are division rivals. They know each other very well. But I'm looking at this schedule here uh, and... It's just green all the way down. W-W-W-W-W. And the Niners only keep getting better. This is not the moment when they drop, when they get out of this whole thing after the turnaround they had to start the season. um, Again, it's a mismatch. They are by far the dominant team in this situation. Um, The Seahawks needed some help to get in here. They got it still, but uh, the Niners have just done too much and are way too powerful at this point. They're like Thanos, I think. Um, yeah.
3: The Niners are on an absolute roll, and they are not just getting better, they are getting healthier. Maybe it's because they're getting healthier that they are getting Mm -hmm. better. Eli Mitchell back in that backfield. Debo Samuel back on the roster. Christian McCaffrey Mm -hmm. feeling uh, as close to 100% as a football player can feel at this point of the year. The three-point plan to a Seahawks victory comes courtesy of Michael Robinson. Number one, Kenneth Walker, the third, has to run the brakes off. Number two, their third-down defense, has to be better than it has been. 50% is not a good enough number. They have to make sure to get Brock Purdy and this Niners offense off the field on third down. And number three, no bad plays for Geno Baldy. That was Michael Robinson's assessment. Now, that sounds like a tall order. It's almost as if Michael is saying to Geno, you're going to have to throw a perfect game. He's got to maybe have the game of his life. Well, he's,
4: he? yeah, yeah, it does. You know, he's never been in the postseason, so this is the first time. He knows what he's up against, and he has made some unbelievable throws. The good thing is he's got a healthy Tyler Lockett and a healthy DK Metcalf. And sometimes how you play the ball in the air determines the outcome of these games. And, you know, he's, gonna, he's got two guys that can flat out win. I don't care what the coverage is. Charvarius Ward, you know, whatever they're, they're doing, zone defense, he's got two guys that can win. And Geno has shown, he's their second leading rusher this year, he's shown that he can extend plays, that he can do some Russell Wilson magic. Um, that would go a long ways.
3: Three minutes on the clock. You have a meeting to get to, so let's make this quick. The last game that we are going to talk about. The Baltimore Ravens in Cincinnati to take on the Cincinnati Bengals. Here's what Joe Burrow had to say today. You know, we, we play them a lot. And, you know, they have a, a really good defensive coordinator that you know, makes it tough
0: on you out there. And so we've, you know, got to find some some ways to to find some explosive plays and stay efficient and keep moving the ball down the field. Uh, and I, I think... We have a good game plan to do that.
3: Okay, Baldy, you called it out this morning. The Bengals O-line, especially on the right side, is banged up. Mm -hmm. That is a potential weakness that can be exploited by a Ravens team. That better be defined by defense right now. It's about all they have left. Here is Michael Robinson's three-point plan to a Ravens upset. They need to protect Roquan Smith. What does that mean? Keep the big bodies off of him so that he can roam and make every damn tackle Mm -hmm. of the game. I believe that's a direct quote from Michael Robinson. Mm -hmm. Number two, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball Mm -hmm. some more. That's what they do. That's Mm -hmm. what they should do. And number three, and this put a smile on all of our faces, Michael Robinson said, simple, pay Lamar Jackson today, and he will be ready Uh. come game time. Baldy, that's a tall order. Do you see a game script in
4: which the Ravens walk away with a W? No, I don't. I mean, these are division rivals. Um, I think the Ravens' defense is capable of keeping the score down. I just don't think that their offense has shown that they're just not explosive enough to put up the type of points to compete with what Joe Burrow has and what he has been doing on their eight-game win streak.
3: T. Higgins not at practice today, MJ. A little bit of a concern because that big-bodied target for Joe Burrow has been so effective and becomes even more effective in games that matter this time of the season. Why will the Bengals do what the Bengals are supposed to do and win this game?
2: I mean, even without – T. is is a huge part of that offense, but even without him there, they have enough uh, manpower to to more than get the job done. They are rolling. They've been playing the best football at the exact right time of the season. They'll be just fine.
3: Brian Baldinger, we have to say goodbye to you. You have a meeting to get to as your agent and manager. Thank you. Get the hell out of (laughs) here. MJ, you're going to stay with me for another 90 (laughs) seconds. Let's go through the super wildcard weekend schedule. Organize your thoughts. Organize your weekend in the following manner, listener. Saturday, two games on Saturday. The first... At 4:30 p.m. Eastern Time, the seven-seed Seahawks taking on the second-seeded 49ers. That game is on Fox. That is the first of six Super Wild Card games coming up this weekend. The second Saturday game out of the AFC, 8:15 p.m. Eastern, the Chargers against the Jags. Before you go, MJ, I want to talk about that game. That is on NBC. Three Sunday games: the Dolphins. At the Bills, we talked about that. That's 1 p.m. Eastern. The Giants at the Vikings, we talked about that. That's 4.30 p.m. Eastern. And then, of course, the Ravens at the Bengals. We just spoke about that game. That's the nightcap on Sunday, 8.15 p.m. Eastern. And then, of course, the final game. We talked about that at the beginning. The Cowboys in Tampa Bay to take on TB12. And the TB Bucks. that's 8.15 p.m. on Monday. That is the 6th of 6 Super Wildcard weekend games. Let's finish with a quick chat about the Chargers and the Jags. Playoff debutants, both, Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence. Justin Herbert has a reputation of being the best quarterback that we don't kind of have a best quarterback resume for, mm-hmm. not yet. Mm-hmm. Yep. He has this vaunted arm talent that in some ways has been held back a little bit by a desire for balance because of the skill set of Austin Eckler. You don't see the Chargers relying on Herbert's arm as much as you see sometimes Mahomes taking over a game or Josh Allen taking over a game or Joe Burrow taking over a game. This may be one of those games where Justin Herbert is off-leash, if you'll allow that phrase. And then, of course, on the other side, there may not be a hotter quarterback in the NFL right now than Trevor Lawrence. The only person in the biz with better hair than you. How do you see this? Game, how do you see this game going down?
2: Um, I, I really love how Trevor Lawrence has sort of turned around the narrative, not just around the potential of a first overall pick, uh, but also around that team. I think it's the right coaching matchup for him for sure with Doug Peterson there. Um, it's been great to see, especially because it was so close to the end of the season where they were able to get things around and clinch the division. In terms of Herbert, though, I mean. It's, He was without his two key guys, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, which are game changers. However, there's something to be said about the other great quarterbacks that you mentioned. If your guy isn't there, your main target, you make it happen. You figure out a way. You make the hero play. You find guys who may not have a big name, and you get them the tug, right? So that's the aspect where maybe it is that he's a little... Held back, I would love to see the range just go a little bit so we can see the full scope of what we're working with here. Because let me tell you something if we've just seen a small sample size of what Justin Herbert can actually do, everybody should be terrified.
3: What we saw him do over the last few weeks on third downs, especially third and longs, is extraordinary stuff. Mm-hmm. He really does have such a live arm. It is an absolute cannon. And he is pairing accuracy and efficiency with that ability, which, Mm -hmm. of course, is a scary and dangerous thing for any opponent to face. We talked a little bit with David Carr yesterday about this. There's a young man playing in this game who wants to prove to the rest of the NFL that he is not the other Josh Allen, (laughs) that he is the Josh Allen. Jags defense may have the most important say of any unit in this game.
2: Yeah, they're going to have a tall task, too, because, and I mentioned this earlier in the day when I was talking to Kurt Warner, um, when when you're going up against an offense who guys have guys with huge chips on their shoulders, I'm talking about you, Keenan Allen, um, they're going to play hard, and they're going to try to beat every type of coverage, they're going to try to run all over these defenses, um, and I think what we've seen from from defensive player Josh Allen is that I'm trying not to call him the other Josh Allen, right? See, <laughs> I get it. I understand why he wants right, to poor eliminate kid. Great the Great name, stigma. great skill set,
3: just great the worst name. name for this generation oh, yo, of football so players. Good.
2: But I, I think he's ready for the moment. I do.
3: I think he is too. Uh, do you have a sense, I'm not going to hold you to a score or even mm-hmm. a, a winner prediction, but do you have a... You have a radar hit on how you think this game may go down? In Duval, let's yeah. not forget. Um, and again, the five seed, like in the NFC, mm-hmm. the five seed is the favorite in this game. I know. The Chargers go into this game with the odds makers giving them the edge. A little bit of disrespect, I should think, if you're the Jacksonville Jags. But like the four seed in, on the other side of the bracket, the bucks they didn't really get into the tournament with a convincing right. division title, did they?
2: I think what surprised me about that is about the Chargers being favored here. It's that they're not particularly reliable in big moments in big games like this. What is the phrase you hear in this town a lot? Oh, they Chargered it up. (laughs) Maybe this is the time, this is the game, this is the year where the Chargers flip that narrative. When they say, yeah, we Chargered it in the best way possible. There you go. Dot, dot, dot. In the
3: best way possible.
2: Now... I covered the Chargers for a very long time. I was in San Diego when they moved over to L.A. So I've I've, I've been in very close contact with this team. I've seen some very hard losses throughout the years. I'm hoping for them that they can get the win. But something in my gut says that the way the Jaguars are moving, they're at home. The momentum that they have finish the year on a win streak. Man, that's going to be real tough.
3: I'm just going to quiz you 30 seconds, and then we'll call it a day. Just first blush, first thought, knee-jerk reaction. (laughs) Seahawks at Niners. Who wins it? Niners. No question, they win it easily.
2: Yeah, no hesitation, yep.
3: Dolphins at Bills.
2: I mean, you know which way I want to go, but the Bills will win it.
3: Could this confluence of emotion and expectation and hope and probably a little bit of fatigue, the kind of fatigue that they didn't anticipate, Mm -hmm. the kind of emotional fatigue that comes with what has gone down for this franchise over the last 10 to 12 days
2: could be tricky for them? Maybe. Or do
3: they channel it the right way?
2: They're going to continue to channel it the right way. I, I just don't see the momentum that they've had, the... The emotional charge, right, is too great of a power on top of the fact that they are a superb team.
3: The fourth game of Super Wild Card Weekend, the Giants in Minnesota to take on the Vikings. This has been circled by a lot of experts, so-called experts, as the upset special of Super Wild Card Weekend. And there is an alarming stat out there that six seeds in the current format are seven and one or some such thing. Yes. None of that makes sense. Although, I guess if we look back historically, maybe it would make sense. What do you see in this? Giants-Vikings. Who wins this game?
2: I think the Vikings will win this game. But if there's a scenario, if I had to pick one game where I could see things flipping, it's this this one. It's this one.
3: The fifth game. The last of the three Sunday games. Ravens at Bengals in Cincinnati. Bengals take it?
2: Bengals, yeah.
3: And the final game of all. One that I think carries with it more uncertainty and potentially more intrigue than any Mm -hmm. other. Cowboys and Buccaneers. We saw in week one, the Buccaneers easily beat the Cowboys. The score, in fact, flattered the Cowboys, even though the Cowboys only put three points on the board. The gap could have been and maybe should have been much larger than it was. Who wins this one?
2: You know, I'm still on the fence.
3: About I know. So so should I not hold so you to an weird. answer on this?
2: Yeah, I got
3: It's only Wednesday. It's only give Wednesday. Me, give me your Wednesday gut. Your Wednesday gut check, which is which is subject to change. Yes. On Wednesday, your answer is the Cowboys and Bucks game is won by the Cowboys. Interesting. I know. There's a little hope for Cowboys Nation. Are you listening, Star? MJ, at least on Wednesday. This could change, at least on Wednesday. MJ, Acosta Ruiz says that you are going to win that game. Gosh, I'm starting to be inclined. To agree with you, I need to fight that off as a Commanders fan. I need to know, I need to sort of check with myself. Is this the, I ether, is yeah. this the ether of historical hatred? Or do I really believe that the Bucs are going to do it? Or do I think that the Cowboys are going to shut us all up and get the win? Oh, my God. That's the reason we watch these games. It's the reason we love these games. Time will tell. Join us tomorrow when we flip it. And instead of finding reasons why the underdogs will win, we will examine more closely why the favorites are the favorites. We will get into game scripts for six, all six, super wildcard weekend games. Can't wait for these games. Can't wait to see you tomorrow. I want to thank today's special guests, Brian Baldinger, and of course, MJ Acosta-Ruiz. Thank you so much, MJ. Thank you, Drew. Till tomorrow. Ciao for now.
0: 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it irish spring body wash and bar soap fresh green irish shop now at a store near you hey guys
1: back at the playground again huh
5: yep you know what this playground could use a wine country